Welcome to the Healthy Pelvis Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Alexandra DeGrado, she, her. Hi, I'm Dr. Juliana Allen, she, her. We are two people with a lot of differences. In high school, one of us was a cheerleader and the other was a theater nerd. One of us is an introvert and the other is an extrovert. One of us is a perfectionist and the other one isn't anymore since she had a child. <laughs> we have a lot of similarities too. We don't sugarcoat, but we do care. We have messy lives. We are passionate about improving pelvic health for all, especially postpartum people. Note, we refer to postpartum people as birthing people instead of the term mom, because it's the most inclusive term we know right now. If you identify with another term, substitute that in your mind and let us know. We love to learn. However you identify, we support you. Together, we are the Healthy Pelvis Project, two doctors of physical therapy and pelvic health experts, bringing our knowledge to help postpartum people heal. Just keep in mind that this is not a substitute for medical advice or individual evaluation and treatment. So welcome to our first episode of the Healthy Pelvis Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Today we're going to talk about leaking and how it is not a lifestyle choice. Someone that I saw that was really reminiscent of this was a person who'd really never had bladder issues. And even through her pregnancy, she didn't leak or anything. She was pretty fine. And then she had her baby and she started to have to run to the bathroom before she actually got her child, you know, when her baby was yelling and screaming and, you know, wanting her to come and, and for a feeding. But she had such bladder urgency that she had to go to the bathroom and let the baby cry before she could go or else she would start leaking. That's just one story, but I wanted to have a conversation with Alex about how this is so common and how the bladder can start to kind of rule us and not let us do our own thing. Yeah, and our favorite mantra is, I'm in control of my bladder, my bladder is not in control of me. And just to clarify, when Juliana says she saw this person, we are both pelvic floor physical therapists. Good point. And so <laughs> we treat people with bladder issues, with pelvic floor issues. And so that is why we wanted to talk about this really common problem. And it's especially common in birthing people. Your bladder goes through so many changes during pregnancy, and it doesn't just bounce back to normal afterwards. You'll hear us say bounce back a lot. We hate that term That's so right. much. <laughs> right. Your body doesn't bounce back. Your bladder doesn't bounce back. It's forever changed. And we're firm believers that you benefit from pelvic floor physical therapy to help your body rehabilitate. And your bladder is actually trainable. Yeah. So... One of the big myths that we come across all the time is that people think that leaking is just a normal part of being a parent. That, oh, you have a baby, well, you're going to start leaking now or you're going to start leaking later, but it's going to happen, just, you know, suck it up. And that is not what we firmly believe. So leaking is really common, but as you'll hear us say, it is not normal. There are lots of different kind of situations people can leak urine in, but there are two main types. You can leak when you get to your front door, you're trying to put your key in the door, <laughs> unlock it, and make it to the bathroom, and suddenly you find out, oh, great, I'm peeing on myself before I make it there. So that's called urge incontinence. Yeah, so that's obviously really qualified by that really strong urgency where you just really all of a sudden have to go and then can't stop it from coming out. Um, but the other main kind is called stress incontinence, and that's where there's an increase in intra-abdominal pressure or basically just a lot of downward pressure on your bladder that then overwhelms the kind of ability of your muscles to keep the urine in and then you start leaking. So that's more like coughing, laughing, sneezing, jumping, lifting your kiddo, etc. So yeah, two main kinds of incontinence, urge and stress. 
And there are different ways that we treat both of them, but also there are a lot of similarities. But regardless, neither of these is something you should accept as normal. So in the case of Juliana's patient, one of the things that we would implore is not to go just in case. So many of us grow up in a household where we go to the bathroom before we leave the house, go to the bathroom before you get in the car, before you go into the movies, and your bladder develops a habit of going or giving you the urge when it's not actually full. And so you're feeling this urgency and maybe only a little bit of pee comes out. We call this a jick pee, just <laughs> in case. And so we want to avoid jick pees. Yeah, going just in case really does train your bladder poorly, but knowing that it trains your bladder poorly is actually really fantastic because it teaches us that the bladder is trainable. Like, how old were you when you learned how to potty train? Or how old was your, or is your kiddo learning to potty train? Like, you can retrain your bladder, and that's awesome. Um, but it does take some both willpower and knowing that you can actually change. So not going just in case is super duper important, but there are a lot of other habits. Just knowing what is normal. So it's normal to go about every two to four hours. So if it's been less than two hours, if you find yourself going to the bathroom every half an hour, 45 minutes, one hour, then that means that you may just be getting too many signals from your bladder from that poor kind of accidental training over a long period of time. Um, on the other hand, though, if you're someone who goes a whole eight hours without going to the bathroom, that probably means you're either dehydrated or there are other issues like say you're a teacher and you just can't leave the classroom to go. So either way, we do not recommend that. Yep, and then at night, it's normal to go zero to one times. So when your baby is a newborn, you wanna try not to fall into the habit of going every time you get up to feed your baby because sometimes that habit will persist even after you're no longer getting up with the baby. So one time at night or less is what our goal is. Yeah, until you're about 65 when it's actually normal to go zero to two times at night. But, you know, if you're, uh, if you're younger than that, zero to one times at night is pretty normal. Something else we see a lot with uh, newer birthing people is that they are rushing to pee. They're not giving themselves time. So I like to say something that I heard when I was learning about pelvic floor physical therapy, which is it's called a restroom for a reason. Take a rest <laughs> there. You know, I know that it's hard with, uh, especially if you have multiple kiddos outside um, or in the bathroom with you, but it's really important to let your bladder empty and not to push or strain to empty your bladder because that just leads to uh, the bladder neck, you know, kind of holding too tightly sometimes. So please give yourself time to pee. And don't hover over the toilet. It's really hard to relax when you're not actually sitting down. So you want to sit on the toilet, take deep breaths, let your pelvic floor muscles release, and then fully empty your bladder. I am a, a proponent that uh, if everyone sat down on the toilet to pee, there wouldn't be any pee on public toilets. So uh, we should all just <laughs> sit down. You know, it's your thighs and your bum. You know, you're not rubbing anything nasty down there. Just sit on the toilet. But I do understand that, you know, public toilets aren't always the nicest. So they do make covers that you can carry around in a little baggie with you if you really don't like peeing in public. That's right. Another important thing to know about the bladder is that there are certain things that really irritate the bladder. You know, the bladder loves water. Water that gets filtered through your kidneys, that's nice for your bladder. But your bladder can be really irritated by other substances like caffeine, alcohol, fake sugar, sometimes even carbonation from seltzer, which I know is a big deal for Alex. <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, irritants can really irritate your bladder. And I never tell people like they can't have their coffee in the morning because I would be an absolute monster without my coffee. But if you're having a lot of leaking, you know, say you are having trouble making it to the bathroom or making it two whole hours without going to the bathroom, like maybe it's time to either couple water where you have a sip of coffee and then you have a sip of water or just to decrease how many irritants you're having for the time being. You know, if you're having a lot of incontinence, it might be time to say, oh, I am having four coffees a day. Maybe that's too much for right now. Yeah, and we also like to say sip fluid slowly throughout the day as opposed to chugging all at once. So keeping the fluid with you, sipping the fluids, and we know if you're breastfeeding especially, it's so important to stay hydrated. So we do not want you to restrict your fluids because dehydrated pee is actually also a bladder irritant and can make the issue worse. So trying to drink less can backfire if you're going to the bathroom too frequently. So those are some tips for the urgency and urge incontinence. Let's talk about the stress incontinence, which is when you pee, if you jump, cough, laugh, sneeze, or do anything like that. Yeah, so one of the main things that you have to work on if you have uh, stress incontinence, say with coughing or laughing, is to work on your pelvic floor muscles. Because if you have been pregnant at any point, which you know if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have, the muscles that help hold the baby up are actually pushed down throughout pregnancy. And so that, you know, nine to 10 months of being pregnant and then add on top of that, if you had a vaginal delivery, those muscles get weak. So you need to work on both how strong those muscles are, but also when they're working. Because if those muscles aren't squeezing up right before and during that downward pressure of say a cough, then you're gonna leak even if you have strong muscles. We like to say squeeze before you sneeze. <laughs> yep. That's the mantra to try and remember. And it takes time. So you practice. You, you practice getting your muscles, your brain and your muscles to be connected. And you want to close and lift the muscles up and in just as if you were holding back gas or stopping the flow of urine. And try that when you're doing an activity that you would typically leak. Yeah. And it's also important to know that it's really not just about your pelvic floor muscles. A lot of times it's the structures around or above your bladder that are contributing so I often um, come across people who are ab clinchers. They hold their ab muscles all the time and never let go. And if you're holding your ab muscles, think about it. Your bladder is like right behind your abdominals. And so if you're squeezing your abdominals and limiting how much your bladder can actually expand, if you say have that downward pressure of a cough or a jump, then there's already more downward pressure on your bladder. So you're much more likely to leak. Yeah, great advice. So does this sound like you? Do you suffer from urge incontinence or stress incontinence? We want to hear from you. Tune in to our Pelvic Floor 101 podcast because that will help you learn how to strengthen your pelvic floor. And we created postpartum essentials at thehealthypelvisproject.com so that you can learn more about how to stop the leaking. If you have any questions about pelvic floor physical therapy or about leaking, feel free to email us. It's info at thehealthypelvisproject.com and you can find all of our information in the show notes. 